Ask. Pray for you. Father God, we just thank you for Pat, Lord. We thank you for her preparation, Lord. We thank you for her gentleness and her wisdom and her uh, real intimacy with you, Jesus. And Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would open the eyes and ears of our hearts to receive what you have for us through what uh, you've asked about to speak to us. Amen. 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 Good morning. I was just thinking about the, I don't know whether curse is the right word, probably not, especially in church. I should say the challenge of the 10 minute talk. And uh, there's a, a 17th century French philosopher called uh, Blaise Pascal. And he's credited uh, with this original quote. I've made this letter longer than usual because I haven't had time to write a short one. Uh, so I think it started as a, about 100 pages and we're now down to five, you'll be relieved, and it's all in large print. I've had this on my heart for quite some time, really, in, in various forms, but uh, God usually has to deal with me quite a lot before anything's fit to go into the public domain. I've been thinking quite a lot recently about um, the Christian values that have shaped our society, um, shaped the laws by which we live, uh, the sort of the ideals of freedom and conscience, human rights and democracy. They're actually a direct legacy from the Judaic ethic of justice and the Christian ethic of love, which was brought here by Christian monks. They became foundational to the idea of inalienable rights for everyone, no matter what colour or what creed. And the work of caring for the poor and the sick and the dispossessed, it came out of the monastic Christian tradition. However, now the Christian contribution is not so clearly recognised or understood in our society, partly uh, because of teaching, I think, in schools and universities partly because we just live in a much more secular society. Uh, and I, I felt I really wanted to, uh, us to look at um, Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. Um, I don't know how much you use the message. I used to use it very little. I saw it as rather a, a sort of sock for those that couldn't understand the real thing. Uh, but I've actually come to have great respect for it because it opens the word up in a different way. And if I can give a plug, uh, if you're ever short of something to read, try a burning in my bones. 
It's a biography of Eugene Peterson who wrote the message. And he is a man who, or was a man, he's in glory now, who was called to be a pastor, but actually he was a linguist and an academic. And the whole of his life was spent really trying to get God's call in balance with what he really wanted to do. And out of it all came the message. So here we go, chapter three, uh, sorry, chapter five in Matthew. Uh, and verses um, 11 to 13 to 15. Let me tell you why you were here. You're here to be sea salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you'll end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colours in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. <coughs> by opening up to others, you prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. What's the significance of salt? Well, if you watch the great British menu as my husband does, it's usually something which is either too little or too much in the food that they cook. But it's a seasoning. It brings out the flavour of food but it's also a preservative. So as well as giving flavour, salt prevents decay. And it's really quite an important metaphor that Jesus uses here, because he says that we're the salt of the earth, that is, of society, of the world. And as Jesus' disciples, we should bring out the best in our culture and prevent the worst tendencies in it. Yeah. And I sometimes think that perhaps that's the place where we are now. Um, society has changed and often what happens in society is driven by small minority groups who become quite powerful in changes in the law. Mm. And James will correct me because I could well be wrong, but I think the fact that our law's based on case law is quite significant. Um, so yeah, we're there to stop decay. And um, 
organisations like the Christian Institute are so good at simplifying the complex issues and allowing us to be able to part, be part of uh, sending in a coherent opinion. So the implication clearly here is that um, we can only have an impact if we are different to the world. Otherwise, we're only joining in what's already there. Mm. And the difference comes from our fellowship with God, where we learn to follow God's distinctive way, rather than that of mainstream culture. So, if you've ever felt that your thinking is at odds with society, then I suggest that you're probably in the right place. As Christians, we do have a clear call to be salt and light. And I think in the situation we're in now, perhaps part of that is to be part of the post-COVID rebuilding for ourselves as well as those who don't know God. We need to recognise the issues of the pandemic. It's been a time of huge personal loss for so many people. Sickness and bereavement, isolation. I'm like my dad, I get absolutely stir crazy when somebody tells me I can't go out. <laughs> Social isolation, um, the distress of not being able to give somebody a hug or be with someone as they died. Mental health issues, depression, anxiety that affects whole families, complications of working at home, children at home, and for many fa families, lack of personal resources. People who feel that they've been badly let down, things seem to be going so well in their lives, and now it isn't, it's gone. Such a huge potential for great disappointment, anger and resentment at the complexity of all these sort of unwanted experiences. But what are we asked to do here? We're asked to bring the God colours to the landscape and then things begin to change because we move as Christians from grief and fear to hope. Perhaps we sort of take, take it for granted. I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember, mostly a not very good one and still with a lot to learn. But you do have an underlying foundation. How is it for people who just do not have the hope of God? And as, as Christians, I think a lot of us are aware of um, the gift, really, of lament in the Christian tradition. It, it isn't looking back and weeping and wailing in despair. It's about what we do with our disappointment and despair. It's about talking to God about the pain that engulfs us, whatever it is. 
And when we're honest with God about how we feel, our pain becomes prayer. Through lament, we're able to move our perspective and it becomes a route to a creative hope from a painful situation. Seeing God as the creator of all things, the resurrection God, who's working in this world that he has promised to restore as he'd originally intended. So God listens and he empathizes reminding us that he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. This is something which is a gift free at the point of access, but it wasn't free at the point of giving. It was the supreme sacrifice and Jesus himself lamented about his impending death in its injustice and cruelty. What lament then does is to lead to forgiveness. And unfortunately, I didn't hear uh, Trevor speak about this, but uh, it was always a good one as it is with, Tre with Trevor, I believe. But as we learn to forgive, or rather, as we've forgiven, we learn to forgive. And this is a unique Christian contribution to personal public life, the power of forgiveness. It's not about condoning wrong, it's not about intolerance, it's about letting go of feelings of bitterness and resentment, which are corrosive if they're harboured. And I think this is one of the big changes that we've seen in society, that we've lost sight of the Christian ethic and it's become okay for people to just decide for themselves what's right and wrong. They can have their own right and wrong. And if you're offended, you can blame somebody, you can become a victim, you can feel offended. And you don't have to forgive because it's not your fault, somebody's to blame. And we've got um, a victim culture which is causing a seismic shift in the way our society functions. So forgiveness is important because if we don't do it, it is corrosive. Uh, I think it was Nelson Mandela that said, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and then expecting the enemy to die. We need to forgive. We need to lament. We need to forgive because these are the bases of rebuilding. And I think this is where we are now in the post-COVID thing, or, well, we call it post-COVID. We can't, thank goodness, put things together exactly as they were before COVID, so there's a relief. But the building, the biblical concept of rebuilding is about compassion, it's about love, kindness, humility, 
meekness, patience. And the first followers of Jesus were providers of health and care to the hungry, to the homeless, the sick, the widow, the orphan, the disenfranchised. Jesus said that we need to do for others what we like having done for us and that whatever we do for them, it's as though we do it to Jesus himself. So, to be salt to those around us, this is where we start. To get alongside people, to provide help for those in need. It's not just the post-COVID thing. We've now got uh, the Ukraine and we've got a society where resources to those who are already struggling are going to become an even greater problem because of cost of living increases. So we're prompted to open our hearts we mustn't hide our light. The unique Christian contribution is lament, is forgiveness, is hope. And when we do good works, when we help and support, we take with us the transformative power of the Holy Spirit the possibility of forgiveness and this undeniable hope. It's an instruction. Don't hide your light under the bushel. We each have to sort it out for ourselves in our personal life. But we have this building. We're in this area as a local population. What does the COVID rebuilding landscape look like for CCF? How are we putting it together? Maybe time for action, time for a plan, but we can't ignore it. It's an instruction. In the name of Jesus, amen. Pat. Um, and it's going to lead us in a, a bit of worship and I, I should have mentioned at the beginning the offering here is um, is at the front so it's there either for, for now or, or after once, once I've closed the meeting. Um, Yeah. 
strength to uh, trust in you, to, to, to always trust in you, whatever we see going on around us, whatever circumstances uh, happen upon us. And Lord, we give you this week, Father, and everything that we've got uh, coming up this week, Lord, may we not walk on by, uh, Lord, but may we be your hands and your feet. So Father, we ask you now to fill us afresh with your Spirit. Draw us into a deeper and greater intimacy with you, Lord. May we know the power and authority that we carry as children of God. And Lord, we do pray for that young man from the Father. May he know your peace, may he know your grace, may he know your love. Welcome to come back again. Thank you, Jesus. Let's close with, uh, with these verses. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. 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 Amen.